great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... Good evening, Bills Mafia. It is Wednesday night, as promised, the second of at least five shows of Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast is ready to go. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. What's up, dude? How are you? Uh, how are you getting along here on draft week now? 24 hours exactly from the start of round one. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting along well. I'm really excited about tomorrow. Uh, draft day is always an exciting day, no matter where your team is drafting. As long as you have a first round pick, I guess there are a few teams that uh, have to wait until Friday to get in on the action. But I think it's going to be a, a great night for football fans tomorrow. So doing really well. Excited about tomorrow, Matt. Uh, we're going to get into so much in this episode. We're going to talk about the the running back smoke show that's happening on Bill's Twitter right now. We're going to get into some cornerback conversation, uh, a lot of fun little uh, hypotheticals. And uh, this is our final draft preview before we get to tomorrow. Uh, but here is what I also wanted to get into here a little bit and share with all of you. Tomorrow, we're launching, check this out, a newsletter. Head over to Syracuse.com, Syracuse.com slash newsletter, and it'll bring you to this page that I have uh, up for everybody over there. Tomorrow, we're starting a weekly newsletter. So basically, every week on Thursday, you're going to get an email, if you sign up here, sent to your uh, inbox with all of our content for the week, all the podcast links, all the story links, the, the news, the analysis, the feature stories, the Everything Bill's coverage right in your inbox every day or every Thursday. So go to this website, uh, Syracuse.com slash newsletters. Go down to uh, shout a Buffalo Bills newsletter. Click that box. Then go all the way down to the bottom. Put your email address in here. Hit sign up and boom, you're in. And there there you have it. That's Simple. all you have to do, Ryan. What do you think? Simple. I love it easy get everything that you need delivered right to you from us so i think it's a win-win for the bills mafia fan base syracuse.com slash newsletters n-e-w-s-l-e-t-t-e-r-s do us a favor sign up for that we're launching it tomorrow we're really excited about it once one one-stop shop for all your bills coverage we're excited about it all right let's get into it ryan talbot running back in round one it is the conversation that has really risen to the top of you know Bill's social media over the last week because there are legitimate reports out that the Bills are interested in Brees Hall. They brought him in for a private workout. He's been in Buffalo. So that in and of itself shows you that there's some interest there. They, they tried to sign J.D. McKissick earlier this offseason in free agency. We all know what happened with Washington. They want to add another element to their offense. And Brees Hall is a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He has some speed, that athletic profile that I think – Probably excites the Bills. But the issue that I keep coming back to is round one, pick 25. It still feels like a little bit too rich for my blood. You know, we did the, the Channel 4 show earlier today, and I think Sal Capaccio brings up a great point. I agree with it. It's something I've I've thought about and talked about. If you draft a running back in the first round, you're going to have to probably pick up that, that guy's fifth-year option. You don't have to do it. But Brandon Bean says you draft a guy. He has a good career, good four-year run. You want to reward him. You want to pick up that fifth-year option. That's going to be around 10 to $12 million in five years, right? It's a lot of money for a running back. I also think about 2022, this year, what does that do to the running back room? Devin Singletary finished last season in six games, had nine touchdowns, was really kind of came into his own with the, with the role that he had. How much is that going to change the dynamic? If you bring in a Brees Hall in the first round, you're you're drafting him to be your starting running back. And that puts Devin Singletary in a role he wasn't effective in last year or any year in that like low volume, under eight carries a game role. And he's probably not going to be the predominant running back out of the backfield catching footballs anymore. I just don't know what the plan. I get what the long-term plan is. I don't know what the immediate plan is with Brees Hall. Where do you land on all this? The smoke, do you believe it? And and after thinking so much about it, do you think it's a, a path the Bills should take? 
Now, I do believe the smoke to a certain extent. I think the interest in getting a game changer at the running back position is something that they've been interested in. I think last year they were really interested in Travis Etienne. And, you know, you've mentioned it. Some of the shows have mentioned it. Not much gets out of one Bill's drive in terms of information from the team. But it was believable enough to me last year that Travis Etienne on the Jacksonville Jaguars own podcast or video um, series said that I thought I was going to Buffalo at pick 30. He truly believed that of all the teams in the first round, Buffalo is most likely to draft him. So I don't think he is sitting there reading all the mock drafts that linked him to Buffalo. I think there is legitimate information from the team saying, hey, we like this guy. If he's there at 30, we're going to bring him in. You're getting someone in Brees Hall who can can do a little bit of everything if that's what you're looking for. He has the the speed. He has that extra gear that they're currently lacking in the running back room. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can be a three down back, but you mentioned it. If you bring him in this year, at worst, it's going to be somewhat like a a 50-50 split on those early downs between Hall and Devin Singletary. And it didn't really work out for Singletary, like you said, when he was splitting reps with with Moss and and Singletary ended the, the year on a high note. Uh, maybe the Bills are better off addressing the running back position on day two, like they've done twice with Singletary and Moss, adding someone that doesn't have to come in and be an immediate uh, starter. It can be someone that can be a change of pace type of guy. It doesn't always have to be active necessarily. But the, the counterpoint to the fifth year option is running backs these days have a really short shelf life. So even if you do bring in a running back in the first round and you do pick up that fifth year option, even if it's for that one year at 10 to 12 million, you're getting those prime years and you're probably not going to re-sign the running back at that point. You kind of just recycle and you go to the next guy up or maybe you already have someone on your roster. Uh, there's a counterpoint to, you know, th- there's a case to be made for both sides. I'm not sure that running back is the best asset to to spend your first round pick on, but if the bills really feel like he is a missing piece to this offense, it's going to take hits off of Josh Allen because you're going to run the ball more with him rather than the design QB runs. It's going to open things up when teams are playing the pass. I get, I get where they're coming from. So I could see it. I do believe the smoke. I'm just not sure that'll happen on uh, Thursday night. The thing that I keep coming back to with Brees Hall is where do, where is he valued in, in this overall draft class, right? In a draft class that, as Brandon Bean even said last week, I mean, he's only got 16 to 19 first grade, first round grades on a, uh, uh, in this class. And that seems to be the consensus. He doesn't have 25 first round grades. The consensus is between 16 and 19 in this class. And if that's the case, based on the evaluations of the consensus of the draft community, Brees Hall has not fallen in that, in that category. I mean, most guys that I trust, you look at Daniel Jeremiah, you look at Dane Brugler from The Athletic, he is outside the top 25 in almost every big board that you look at. And if that's the case, I just don't see the urgency to take him at 25. I don't think anybody's necessarily clamoring at the back end of the first round to get up and get and get him. I think, listen, I think the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire example is a bad one to use because for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out for Kansas City. If it had been, if it had been Jonathan Taylor in that spot, for instance, and he ends up being this explosive, awesome running back, it's a great pick that adds a dimension to the Kansas City offense, but it just wasn't. It hasn't worked out. But I think the one example shouldn't necessarily mean don't ever do it again. It's just got to be for the right guy. And I think you have to make sure that if you do pull the trigger on this Brees Hall uh, situation, he is the right guy. Here's something from his scouting report that really is alarming to me. Average quickness and burst to outpace linebackers laterally. That's at the at the college level. Okay. The speed at the second level in the NFL is at another level. It's good. He's gonna have to take his game to another another place. And I'm not saying that he can't do it, but I think there's enough questions based around the evaluations in the draft community, at least. To where, and I'll also say, I cover the Bills. I don't hear a ton of stuff. The Bills keep it locked down, but I, I have heard a few things. I do think that the, the organization is high on Kyler Gordon and T- Trent McDuffie. They like both the Washington cornerbacks. Does that mean they're going to take them at, at 25? I don't know. That's just something that I have heard. I have not heard one thing substantial about Brees Hall. And 
Maybe that's because they're trying to keep it in-house or maybe an agent floated out the stuff that's been smoked for the last week and a half, two weeks. I'm not sure. But I just feel like viewing the Brees Hall situation, it makes so much more sense to me to trade back and try to pick him up early in the second round potentially than draft him at 25 when I feel like you might be able to get an extra asset and still get the guy that you want anyway. Yeah, if you can get him in the second round uh, via trade back or or even – picking someone else at 25 and then trading up in round two using 57 and another asset to move up to get him. Uh, that might be the ideal situation. You're not wasting Cause I, I think a lot of fans you would use the term wasting a first round pick. If you're using it on a running back when mm-hmm. this team does have a need to a certain extent at the cornerback position, there are still veterans out there as well, though that's important to note. but I, I get that you know, that viewpoint. I, I think that with their, their being in that 16 to 18 or 16 to 19 uh, players with first round grades, the the bills are really going to sit there. And as you get to 17, 18, uh, they're going to say, how many guys are left on my board with a first round grade? And they might try to start bailing on it sooner rather than later. So uh, I think a trade down in drafting Brees Hall is more realistic right now than staying at 25 and picking Brees Hall. Because even if they trade down and somehow miss out on Hall, I think that they're going to have a backup plan. And I, you know, I saw someone mention uh, Kenneth Walker the third. Walker doesn't bring that catching element, uh, catching the ball element to the the team. Uh, he had opportunities, or he should have had opportunities if he was a good pass catcher, and that never came to fruition. But there's Isaiah Spiller again, not necessarily a pass catcher. There, James Cook. Wendell Robinson, who is listed as a wide receiver, but he's he's run the ball quite a bit in his college career as well. So th- there are guys in those middle rounds that you can bring in to address that. Pierre Strong, I like uh, closer to day three. He's a little bit older for a prospect, though, and the Bills, you know, they generally tend to lean toward younger guys, but mm-hmm. someone else to kind of keep an eye on. So Phil uh, brings up, uh, he says, I like Matt's scenario where the Bills trade up for Derek Stingley at eleven. And uh, if you haven't caught it yet, if you haven't been on social media, um, I, I shared it uh, earlier t- this evening. I put together a story where instead of like another mock draft, which, by the way, I'm doing another mock draft. It's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to come up with scenarios. So I came up with six different scenarios where I think that if the Bill, as a Bills fan, everybody that's watching here, if you watch your team uh, go through the first round and one of these six scenarios happen, you should come out of it liking how how it transpired. And one of the one of the ones that was the first one that I wrote about was the Bills training up to eleven, which I think is where a <clears throat> they would need to get to at the very latest to get Derek Stingley. I don't think he's going to be there at eleven, but let's just say some of the smoke around him, uh, some of the off the field stuff, not being able to stay healthy, availability, um, and off the field, I mean injury stuff, not character stuff. Um, maybe his draft stock falls a little bit and he's out of the top 10. I don't think that's happening. As a matter of fact, I think there's a better chance that Derek Stingley Jr. is the first cornerback taken in this draft than I do think he's making it out of the top 10. So it's just a scenario just to get it kind of in your in your mind. But it would be great for the Bills if they can get up to 11 in a year where it might not cost as much to get up to 11. I, I said it in my in my thing, you put uh, in, the, in the story, you give a third, 25, a third, and a fifth to get up. You're not going to probably roster all eight of those draft picks. Anyway, it's going to be a really deep UDFA class. So you can kind of add to your numbers that way you get up, you get Derek Stingley jr. At 11 who becomes your starting cornerback number two right now, but maybe some potential long-term to be your, your CB one at the other end of whatever that looks like Tredavious white's contract. If that's a, a way you choose to go, who knows? Trey White can play for another 10 years at a, at a really high level. I'm just saying you give yourself that option in, in, a, in a time where I think need meets getting a really good player. Yeah, and listen, when it comes to Stingley, I agree with you. I think he goes in the top 10, but I would say never say never just because of the fact that when you look at this draft class, uh, I could see a lot of edge rushers going in the top 10. I could see a few offensive tackles, two to three, going in the top 10. There's some wide receivers in this draft class that are expected to go around that point. So it could be a case of either Gardner or Stingley going in the top 10, one of them falling out. And you're right, if that happens, if they fall that top 10, uh, I could see Brandon Bean saying, okay, let, we, you know, let's, let's get the ammunition together to, to move up and get that guy. Um, even if they're high on, on Dane Jackson, which I think they are, you, you, there's only so many premier cornerbacks that you can get on a given year 
And when you are you have a Super Bowl roster, that window is not always going to be there to get someone like that. So in that trade scenario that you mentioned where you're not giving up, you're not selling the farm, so to speak, uh, to, to move up to 11, I would do that in a heartbeat for a guy like Stingley. And, and you know, the, the Stingley uh, missed some time, obviously, at LSU. The, there's some risk there. Um, I read a report saying that McDuffie is the safer pick of the two and, and has quite a bit of upside. He's just obviously smaller frame. I, I wouldn't be shocked, I guess, at the end of this, if Stingley was somehow out of the top 10 when you consider the top of this draft board, the needs of these teams, uh, and just the, the overall craziness, Matt, of how the draft usually is on a year-by-year basis. Speaking of, um, well, this wouldn't be craziness in my opinion, but what about a trade up to 11, not for the cornerback, but for one of the elite receivers in this draft class, Jamison Williams? I, I saw a video that... Um, Mike uh, Catalana and Dan Fates from Rochester are down uh, in Vegas for the draft. Some of the TV networks go out there because they're able to kind of interview the players right after. It's a little bit better for for TV folks than it is for us on the print side because Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott will talk after each round in Orchard Park. So it just makes more sense for us to stay here. But they had an interesting video today where they talked to some of the top receivers, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams were two of them. And Jamison Williams says, yeah, I love to play with Josh Allen and Stephen, Stephon Diggs is one of my people. I, I'd love to mm. play with him. I was like, oh, okay. So there's always already that relationship. I feel like a lot of people are um, Stephon Diggs' people. I mean, he's a pretty popular guy in the league. We heard what Von Miller's talked about him, recruiting him there. But your thoughts there on maybe something that we're not thinking about, maybe the Bills getting aggressive and trading up for a receiver. Uh, I'm not sure I would love that uh, as much as I love Jamison Williams. It, it's still a pretty solid and deep wide receiver class. Uh, I, I think there's going to be guys at 25 that are very talented, even if you're you're not talking about. I, I think Olave could be off the board by then. Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, um, and, and maybe one or two more. But I still think there are there are those fringe guys, Jahan Dotson. Uh, that you could bring in here, and he's a playmaker. I think Sky Moore, I've seen him in more mock drafts here as we've gone down to the wire. Someone that mentioned that he feels like he would be able to to kind of make an immediate impact in Buffalo if they were to draft him. Uh, I, I like that idea a lot. Uh, and, and there's more, but even on day two, you know, Kelvin Austin the third, John Mechie, uh, there are guys that you can get in this draft class that can help a wide receiver room that's already pretty talented. I get that it's a, a better draft at wide receiver, so you want to add someone. I'm just not sure that trading up to 11 for a receiver is as enticing as Jamison Williams would be would make sense, in my opinion. Yeah, and I also think that it's an interesting conversation to have is like, what is the next big wide receiver acquisition for the Bills? Like, what flavor of receiver makes sense because Jamison Williams, he's very um, specific in what he can do. He's a burner. He's got, he's got speed. He can win down the field. I think he needs some work as a route runner. I think he won more in that DK Metcalf mold with like just his physical attributes. He's obviously not that, you know, huge, massive (laughs) specimen, but I'm talking about with that speed down the field. That's how he wanted Alabama. And so I think if that's what you want to add to this offense, that home run threat, that true home run threat, I think that that's really interesting. And I think it's worth even a, a, a conversation, maybe not to 11, because that would be pretty costly. But when you get to 15, like in that 10 to 8 range, is when if he's still on the board, I think you start having that conversation about how much would it cost? Do we have a specific vision for this player in our offense? I bring up flavor because over the last week, Georgia's George Pickens has started to gain some traction. And He's not moving up draft boards. I think that there's this like misconception like, oh, maybe George Pickens is moving up the Bills draft board. The Bills draft board is set. Maybe they already had George Pickens at a certain spot. Maybe enough teams had George Pickens rated highly enough on their boards that people are just finding out about him. And that's why the stock is all of a sudden on the rise this week. And so I was watching a piece, uh, Greg Greg Cosell. I I listen and watch everything he does. He's really good at breaking down the film. And he said that for him... George Pickens is the number one receiver in this draft for him over Jamison Williams at number two, which that kind of got me thinking. I mean, even sitting at 25, I mean, there's character concerns off the field stuff. If that, if you value this guy and you think that he could potentially be the best receiver in this class and you can get him at 25, that's the kind of value that I think Brandon Bean would jump at. But it's a flavor thing. This is a true X receiver, a true number one receiver type of mold. You already have that in Stefan Diggs, but if you project long term, 
I've talked about this quite a bit on this show at, at, at various times. As Dix gets older, I almost wonder if his his future lies in the slot with the way that he plays the game, almost like a better version of Stevie Johnson at some point. And so, and that's just as he go, gets older, he can still win on the outside. He's one of the best separators in the league. But if you add a guy that could come in here and take that kind of pressure off Diggs as he gets older and let him kind of age gracefully into his 30s, and that ends up being Pickens at the value of 25, because let's be honest, the Bills are never going to get that kind of player in the top 10. They're not going to be drafting there in the next five years. Right. No, absolutely true. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's there's a certain number in this draft, man. Maybe it is at 15 or 16 where if the Bills have someone that's on their board that's one of their elite prospects, well, maybe someone in their top five that's still there, I don't care what the position is. At that point, I'm okay with them moving up. You mentioned in your, your article uh, scenario to go up and get Kyle Hamilton, someone that I would love to see here in Buffalo. Um, despite having a really good safety duo now, they're, they're both over 30. You're getting someone that you could plug in right away. Maybe then you, you trade Jordan Poyer somewhere uh, in terms of letting him get that big deal elsewhere. It's not a perfect scenario, but you're, you're getting a blue chip prospect in that scenario. Jameson Williams, a blue chip prospect. If you can get him around that 15 point at that point. Yes. Yeah. So it just right outside of the top 10, it would have to be sauce Gardner or it would have to be Stingley. Uh, I saw someone else near mentioned trade up for McDuffie McDuffie. He's one of those guys around 15 that I would trade up for. Absolutely. Let me interrupt you. What do you make yeah, on McDuffie with the size of his arms? Like that's one of the things pushback that I got when I pushed a little bit for him today. Uh, I think it was Matt Miller from ESPN. He actually had McDuffie falling to the bills at 25. And I think there's actually a scenario where that could happen because of maybe the arm length concerns, but he doesn't play the game like that at all. This guy is a firecracker out there. Three-year starter. He's a really good football player and a great dude. I met him in Indianapolis. I got to talk to him for a little while. He just feels like a Bills guy. What do you, what are you, you have any concerns about the arm length issues? I, I don't. I mean, you can point at any prospect and either find a flaw in their game or you can find something that you think is going to be an asset that doesn't always pan out either way. Uh, just because his arms aren't the prototypical size doesn't mean it's going to be a detriment to his game. Uh, you know, I'll use a different attribute. Some of these guys that come into the league, they, they have that burner speed just because you have great speed and uh, coming in like track speed doesn't mean that you're going to be a good NFL wide receiver or you're going to be good as a cornerback. There's so much more to, to, to certain positions and certain attributes that you need to be successful in the NFL. It's not just one thing. So I, I get that he's, he's a little bit uh, shorter in the arm length, but Big deal. Uh, you know, if that's the biggest knock that you have on this guy, uh, I like everything else about his game. I, he's cornerback number three for me, cut and clear. Uh, uh, you know, there's a gap after one and two. There's a gap after McDuffie. Uh, and then, you know, after that, there, there's some pretty solid cornerbacks. Don't get me wrong. But, it, no, I think that he's uh, in a class of his own after that top two. So I would be a okay with that. And, and Matt, we, you know, we're trying to get more interactive with our, our, the people in the chat here. So I just want to address a few things. Dotson from Penn state 25, not a problem at all. If the bills draft him, he, uh, I believe he, he has a little bit return experience. He could help there. Uh, someone that's an explosive player, big play threat. When you already have those talented guys there, uh, Rick, is there any channel that's covering the draft live tomorrow? We will be on after the Bills pick at some point after we get all of our articles up. I do know that our friends over at Trainwreck Sports uh, will be going live at the start of the draft, talking through each pick, things like that. They're a pretty entertaining bunch. And uh, let's see. Ryan Talbot, I, we didn't really talk this through yet, but we're going to be live during the draft as well on Twitter Spaces. So we Twitter will be spaces, doing the Twitter yes. Spaces during that. So check that out. It's audio only, but you can actually participate a little bit easier. If you have questions, comments, how the draft's um, you know, transpiring and you want to get uh, our, our reaction to it, we'll be over on Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter account, sign up just for that. Um, you, you can follow us at Matt Perino at Ryan Talbot Bills. Our, our tags are right here and you join in and it's kind of like a talk radio show. It's, it's a really cool feature. I did one today. I want to do another tomorrow and then one Ryan and I will do during the draft. Yeah. So we're going to be all over the place, uh, from Twitter spaces, podcast, Maple festivals, you name it, Matt will be on TV. So keep it locked in all weekend long. We're going to be, uh, all over the place talking 2022 NFL draft. We're going to be looking for questions in the comment section here. And we got one from Jason on YouTube. Do you take Jordan Davis if he falls to 25, given we have invested so much in free agency along the line? So a couple thoughts here. First and foremost, I consider it. 
Uh, he's the kind of one tech that I think could fit perfectly with what the Bills want to do from a space eating perspective, from uh, a pass rushing perspective, potentially uh, as he develops. And then obviously as a run stuffer, they spent a lot of money on Daquan Jones. They brought in Tim Settle. It's not necessarily a fit, but what I think of two things, if Jordan Davis is there, there's obviously a big problem because he won't, he won't fall to 25 without a problem. But if there's not some glaring problem that everybody knows about, it's just not a fit. And for whatever reason, somebody, people don't need a, a big one sack. I try to trade out of that spot for somebody that wants Jordan Davis and try to accumulate picks and go that direction. I'd probably do that before I draft them just because of the capital that they've used. But who knows? I mean, talk about trades. You talk about like measurables. Jordan Davis is speaking Brandon Bean's language, Ryan Talbot. Yeah, absolutely. And there could be a team early in round two that didn't want to invest in a defensive tackle that early that might want to trade into the end of the first round to get a player like that. So you're right. I'm right with you on that. Maybe that's an ideal trade down spot. But from a talent perspective, yeah, if the Bills have him eye on their board, it's value meeting. It's not ideal in terms of a need. But you can't pass up that type of value, especially when a lot of the time these Brandon Bean contracts, they're either short term to these free agents or they have outs in them. So if, if you feel like this is someone that fits your defense perfectly at the one tech, someone that can be an impact player next to Ed Oliver, uh, help Von Miller out for these next few years, by all means, yeah, someone like that falls. But I do also agree with some of the people in the chat here saying probably not going to fall to 25. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. Hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S H O U T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. All right, let's move on to our next topic. I had a fun exercise. We talked a little bit about Stingley at the top. Let's go talk about the cornerbacks a little bit deeper here. We talked a little bit about McDuffie as well. Let's power rank because I feel like we're fluctuating all over the place right now in terms of the draft community, where these next four or five cornerbacks rank after Stingley and Sauce Gardner. It's been kind of like those two guys, McDuffie in the second tier, and then kind of a, a third tier of, or maybe Andrew Booth is from Clemson. He's even in McDuffie's tier, but however you have them ranked out, it's Kyler Gordon, Kyer Elam is another one. And then I struggled putting him in my list when I was writing about cornerbacks earlier today, but also Daxton Hill, because there's some people that think that he can play boundary corner in the NFL. I think it's a little bit of a scary projection based on what he did in college. He did. He played safety, he played nickel corner. I think playing on the boundary at the next level, I don't care how much speed you have. It's a, it's a different position, but Hey, crazier things have happened. I mean, Saran Neal came in as a safety as a fifth rounder and ended up moving through the ranks being a you know big nickel. He's played on the outside. So it's doable. Those are kind of the seven, Ryan. Who do you like first after those top two? And, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so McDuffie is number three for me, man. And I was actually just uh, putting him in a list on my phone here so I could kind of rattle him off for you so I didn't get anyone. And maybe I missed someone off the top of my head here. McDuffie, number three. Kyrie Elam, number four. Um, been taught, you know, he was a pre-draft visitor, according to a report today. So the Bills have done some homework on him as well. Uh, obviously more of a, a true boundary cornerback. I think someone that could come in and play right away if the Bills are looking for a player like that. Kyler Gordon is after that. Uh, Andrew Booth, the medical concerns pushed me down a little bit. Uh, there's been a lot about that as of late. So that's the only reason he's pushed down. He probably would have been up a spot or two had there not been any reports on that. I like Roger McCreary. You know, we talked about uh, maybe uh, 
players that are missing certain intangibles. I still like his game. He went against some of the top wide receivers in the SEC almost on a weekly basis, and I thought he he held his own most of the time. I like Tariq Woolen after that, and then Cam Taylor Britt. A little bit of a list there. Um, that's kind of how I have them power ranked. For me on the, on the cornerbacks, listen, I have McDuffie there at number three. Kyler Gordon is really pushing that. The more I look into him, the more I watch him, I love everything about Trent McDuffie. But the, some of the size stuff, it, it, it gives me pause. It, it's not enough to make me notch him down below uh, Gordon. But I have Gordon as maybe a 3A McDuffie, 3B Kyler Gordon. And I have him over Andrew Booth because I think, you know, the injury stuff is is significant. He's had, He has a little bit of a injury history when he's on the field. He's a perfect fit for what the Bills do. But Ryan, how much are they are they talking in the building potentially? And hear me out here. Maybe this is the year that they go non-conventional with what they usually view in terms of skill set to fit into their system. They drafted Tredavious White in 2017, and I, I talked about this on a podcast recently. If you go back and look at his his profile, he didn't like project as this perfect fit into his own scheme. He played mostly press coverage in college, and so I think. It's about getting the traits. It's about getting the guy that can come in here and do the things that you you need him to do. And I think Gordon, super explosive guy, get gets both of these Washington cornerbacks. And I think it's part of what you know what they built in that program. Their cornerbacks get to the ball. They get physical. They don't allow playmakers to get going. Go back and watch the Kansas City game. The problem was the Bills were too late to recognizing what was happening to allow the ball to get into Tyreek Hill's hands. And then it's over. Once it's in his hands, he's, he gets to diagnose the field. It's too late. You lost. You have to get to, you have to read it before that play happens for Hill with the ball in his hands, get to the player, get him down then. And that's what I think both McDuffie and Gordon potentially bring. And that's why I have him here. And then for that, from there, I'll go Kyer Elam uh, right behind them. And then I'm, I'm going to put Booth all the way down there just because I think that there's enough smoke. And Elam is a guy that I've not, I can't believe how much we're hearing over the last week about how much NFL teams like him. So I'm going to put him at a little bit over Booth. Yeah, no, uh, all great cornerbacks, uh, great ranking, great list there. At the end of the day, whoever the Bills draft a cornerback, if they draft a cornerback round one, round two, round three, I have the utmost faith in this team in developing cornerbacks that it does, wouldn't phase me at all uh, if they pass on one at 25 just because of what we've seen John Butler do. He played a big role in bringing Trey White along and making him such a great fit in this defense. He took an undrafted free agent in Levi Wallace and made him uh, a player that started almost year in, year out, minus his rookie year, obviously, where he was on the practice squad for a while before he got promoted. Uh, but he was someone that was able to battle it and, and beat people every single week. He he played a big role uh, in developing Taron Johnson. But there's also other guys like Dane Jackson, like uh, Cam Lewis. There's that track record there. So I, there's even players on this roster. I, I can't wait to see what he can do with a Nick McLeod, uh, someone that they had lost temporarily to the Cincinnati Bengals last year, and they were able to claim him back. So th- there's some talented guys here already. So if the Bills don't go corner at 25 remember one there's there's rounds two rounds three where you can still get an impact guy there's still free agents out there and you have a a coach that has a track record in buffalo alone of bringing these defensive backs along sophia has been banging the punter drum on youtube and i'm going to get the punter conversation going here she wants one in round three uh the punt god matariza i think that is a little bit too early for me, I think you could probably get him in the fourth, maybe even the fifth round, depending on, you know, there's a lot of talent in this draft. Like we talked about, like uh, Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl, uh, he said that they usually scout about 500 guys at the start of their season for the Senior Bowl. This year, they had to do about 700 because of how many people stayed, stuck around in school. So this is a really deep draft. So I think you could probably get the run on kickers and punters probably will last. We'll start a little bit later. But you're right. I mean, Matt Ariza, I mean, th- that was elite. Um, special teams players come along every few years. And when they do, they usually tend to go a little bit earlier than expected. So I guess I do think the Bills need to take a punter in this draft. There's a few options. Uh, You have one in your latest mock draft. I had one a couple weeks ago. I think we had the same one. But where do you think you'd be happy with the Bills as an evaluator covering this team, (laughs) with the Bills taking a raise up potentially? 
I, I just feel like there's too much value and too many other positions that you could take within the first four rounds. It would have to be round five, and I don't anticipate him being there in round five, but that's about the, the comfort zone there. But that's the same comfort zone where I have Jordan Stout from Penn State, Matt, the round five, round six. Uh, especially because he, you know, I think he's neck and neck with Matteries, the punk god. I think he might be a better fit for the Bills coming out of Penn State. I think he's a better fit for what they want. Um, as much as uh, Ariza can boom the ball, Jordan Stout is really good in, inside the 20s in terms of, uh, you know, keeping it out of the end zone, keeping it inside the 10, inside the 20. I believe he had I wrote he had 67 punts last year at Penn State because they they weren't very good on offense and he had uh 3 touchbacks out of all 67 punts that's pretty impressive uh all things considered so I I really like that fit for the Bills I do feel like they need an upgrade I'm not worried about holding the ball for Tyler Bass they have multiple quarterbacks uh behind Josh Allen maybe one of them can hold the ball uh, Stout obviously did do some kicking as well, like field goal kicking, but I think maybe you could, you know, if you draft someone, they could come in, you could develop them to hold it. Uh, that's the least of my concerns. Last year in season, I understood why they held on to Matt Hawk. Uh, you didn't want to replace someone middle of the season and not know who your holder was going to be, but you have this entire offseason to figure out who's going to hold the ball for, for Tyler Bass's kicks. You need an upgrade at that spot, so absolutely go with a punter at some point. Uh, During the draft, if not, you find the best one that's left and you make them a priority undrafted free agent signing. Yeah, you need to get a punter, but let's relax. Everybody, let's relax in the punter. You got Josh Allen, okay? At the end of the day, most of the time, you're not going to be punting. So, yeah, do you want to upgrade the position? Yes. I don't think it's a priority. I wouldn't even list it in my top four, five priorities going into this draft. Do you disagree with that, Ryan? No, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. That's okay. Push back if you want. I like a little no, fisticuffs no. <laughs> on this episode of Shout. I, I get it, Sophia. Like getting watching Matt Hawk last year wasn't pretty, uh, but I think any any type of upgrade that they get. I mean, they found Corey Bajorquez. Where did they? I can't even remember now because it's a few years ago. I mean, they they brought him off of somebody's practice squad, I believe. Right? Yes, that that's correct. And. Um, you know, he, he had his moments here. He could kick the ball. He was with the Patriots, if I remember correctly. And the Patriots tried to stash him. They didn't really put him out at all during the preseason. And the, the Bills still kind of picked him up uh, after the fact, if I'm remembering this correctly. Because they knew the, the leg talent. They knew that he could kick the ball pretty far. Uh, but he was just so inconsistent. This is a great question from Sean Clemens over on Facebook. And we are going to be taking your questions. we got a couple more things that we want to cover in this one. But do you think Traylon Burks could fall far enough in the second round for Bean to make a move to snag him? And that's super interesting because depending on where you look, Burks is all over the place in terms of where people have him slotted, the value on him. Some people have a second round, a pure second round grade on him. Some people have a first, second kind of split, like on the fringe. Some people have him as you know, their second, third, fourth best corner or wide receiver in this draft. I remember when the draft process was starting, the offseason process was starting in February. A lot of people were talking about Traylon Burks as maybe the second best, if not the maybe the best wide receiver in this draft. So where do you fall on Traylon Burks? I think that it's plausible. I mean, that, that's this this season. Who knows how this can – he didn't run a super fast 40 time. So those kinds of players tend to – you know, questions start to mount. If he didn't absolutely blow people away in the meetings, that could be something with so much talent at the position. Maybe that does happen. And maybe you do want to trade up for him. Yeah. In round two. Absolutely. I still think he's an option in the first round at 25. If the bills stay put, I haven't written off Burks at at that point either. Um, It's just such a loaded group that I I think there's going to be a lot of receivers that come off the board within the first two rounds. Is it what Buffalo is looking for? Maybe it is. You don't need necessarily someone with four three, uh, four four speed. Um, you know, like a uh, Kelvin Austin the third, who I mentioned earlier in the show, who had really good tape already. Smaller receiver, but then he he goes to the combine and he runs in the four threes. Uh, would it be nice to have someone like that? Yeah, absolutely. Speed can can help you win games in certain spots, certain areas. But you also want all around receivers, guys that can come in and be counted on someone that can um, be, you know, just a a week in, week out contributor that you can develop and be someone opposite Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis that teams have to 
kind of figure out a game plan for. And I think Burks has that ability. He has that talent. So, yeah, if he slips into round two, absolutely. I could see a a trade-up scenario there if the Bills go with another position in round one. All right, let's move right along. I, I had this this hypothetical here because I thought I don't think we've talked enough about the linebacker potential in this draft. And so I'm wondering, putting it to you like this, and I have my thoughts, but I'll, I'll have you start out here. More likely at 25 or 57, the first two picks the Bills have in this in this draft, if they stay there, interior offensive line or linebacker in those two drafts. Going into it with all things, you know, what we know, what we don't know. What do you think? What's more likely? This might be a cop-out, Matt, but I think at 25, interior offensive linemen is more likely, and I think at 57, linebacker is more likely. And I know that sounds strange, um, but I I don't think you're going to get your value. I would would honestly hate linebacker at 25 more than a running back like Brees Hall. The Bills don't run a lot of, you know, they use two linebacker sets a lot of the time. They have Edmonds still. They have Milano still. I I don't see that impact guy at 25 that's going to come in. Uh, I do see, you know, Zion Johnson possibly being there, though, at 25 and Linderbaum and and some other guys like that that I think could come in immediately compete for a starting job, um, be a big contributor as a rookie. Now, at 57, if if you look at their top 30 visits, if you think about some of the private workouts they held, uh, they held a private workouts with uh, three Oklahoma players, two of which are linebackers. Both guys have that day, you know, day two grades on them. Uh, Asamoah is one guy that I really, really like Brian Asamoah. So in round two, absolutely. Chad Muma, a top 30 visitor at 57. Absolutely. Um, And the list goes on and on. They they had uh, Alabama linebacker in here. I wouldn't mind getting him at 57. So, no one at 25 appeals to me at the linebacker position, but at 57, yes, there's some talented players there. When you consider the fact that they can't, you know, maybe Edmonds isn't part of their long-term plans, which could be something that they consider, then yes, I'm okay at 57 with them addressing that position. You know, I think like anywhere in that three to or two to four round range for a linebacker, I'm with you. I think that that's that's kind of what you're shooting for, because I think you can make an argument that, listen, we're just adding it to depth. We lost AJ Klein. That's a big loss. We're still not moving. We're not prepared to move on from Tremaine Edmonds going into a very important 2022 season. And listen, I'm not saying it's impossible that the Bills don't like, you know, get blown away by a linebacker prospect that maybe gets you know, falls to 25 and Devin Lloyd's standing out on their board and they, they're, they're willing to go in a different direction and they, and they, and they have a trade and they could get draft capital. Who knows? It, I don't rule things out when it comes to Brandon Bean, but I think that you're the way that you talk about it. I like the value at interior offensive line at 25 with potentially Kenyon green or Zion Johnson two potentially day one starters that, Listen, I know we're talking a lot about like the, the starting lineup pretty much being set for the Bills right now, but I have some questions about – I was an advocate for signing Saffold. Don't get me wrong, Roger Saffold from Tennessee. But Saffold, Bates, who were obviously big fans of, of Bates on this show, we were advocating for him to play before he even got inserted into the lineup. I don't know if that if you want, if you're comfortable going into the season with those guys penciled in as your two rock solid starters, and maybe you are. Listen, they're paying Ryan Bates almost uh, or a little over four million dollars a season uh, after you know matching the restricted offer that uh, the Bears gave him and Saffold. Um, I can't. Did, are the contract numbers out on him? It isn't. I'm, I think, I'm pretty sure it is, but it wasn't anything that uh, blew me away. If, if I can remember correctly, like they're, they're not overpaying for the guy. If if that's what I remember, I'll look right now though. Yeah, it's a one-year deal. It's worth um, six point two five million. But the one-year uh, part of it, obviously, they you know, exactly. So listen, it, it's starter money. I think that they're, they're they signed him mm-hmm. to be a starter. He knows Aaron Cromer's system, but I don't think he's he's in in ink for the whole season. So right. if if things don't go well, like they're going to need numbers. So I mean, if you could come in here and get a developmental player, one of the top interior players in this draft, in Johnson or Green, I think you got to think about that in terms of linebackers. Like you mentioned, there's a ton of names. I mean, I love the Chad Muma uh, uh, scouting report. The dude just does not stop his motor on the field. The Wyoming connection to Josh Allen. I'm mm. I'm sure when he was in town, jo- the topic of Josh Allen came up. And I actually looked. I don't think that they had any crossover, but it's such a small program there. I'm sure that they're familiar with each other. So that's super interesting. And a name that I, I, I'm really interested in 
Damone Clark from LSU. Uh, he's he's banged up. He's gotten banged up a lot. I think he's not going to be ready to play this upcoming season. And his draft stock is kind of plummeted a little bit. He's he's expected to go in the fourth to sixth round. This is a guy that one of the things that it, it stands out to me on a scouting report crashes down like a wave on ball carriers. Hmm. Isn't that the kind of linebacker that I think the Bills need long term? You know, a guy that could come in here and and really muddy the waters for whoever's carrying the ball to the backfield, whether it be a quarterback or a running back and be a little bit more de- decisive, get off blocks, be a little bit more aggressive. And he's a guy that maybe, you know, the LSU connection, you know, anytime you have a, that, that LSU pedigree, that Alabama pedigree, we know what, you know, Sean McDermott and company think and Brandon Bean think of those programs, something to think about. I, I think that those, I really like how you set that up with IOL, maybe in the, in the first round linebacker, second, third round, we'll see. Yeah, so we have Scott in the comments. Yeah, we'll all be up until ten fifteen and watch. Bean will trade back. Uh, Scott, you're 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 being very optimistic here. I, I, the Bills aren't going to be on the clock until probably around eleven fifteen, eleven thirty. Uh, so it's going to be even more frustrating for the Bills fans if, if you get close to that pick and then you see it because usually you're not going to see a, a team trade off of that pick until they're on the clock or a one pick away. Uh, because they'll know that the, all their guys that they have first round grades on aren't there. So. 10-15 is pretty optimistic. Maybe you're in a different time zone, though, so maybe uh, that's what you're talking about there. But, yeah, we, we Matt and I, you know, maybe we'll go on shout a little bit earlier if that's the case, if they trade out of the first round because we won't have as much stuff to put up on the site. Uh, and we'll be able to talk it out with you guys and hear you vent your frustrations. But at the end of the day, you got to trust this process that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott uh, preach to the choir. They, they have a pretty successful track record here since coming to the Bills. They're a Super Bowl contender for a reason. So I, I do think a trade down is a very realistic possibility tomorrow night. Some people in the comments are, uh, I don't know if it's the same person on YouTube, but he just wants uh, Kyle Hamilton at any cost. I think he uh, <laughs> took issue with uh, the trade up to 11 for Stingley and the, and the trade up to 15 for Hamilton. Listen, if you got to trade up to eight, seven to get Kyle Hamilton, I'm not necessarily against that either. And that might be where you need to get to, to get him. So uh, I think that that's, you know, perfectly in play. I think it's, um, this is the kind of draft where the, the fun thing about covering this draft this year, Ryan, is like, there's so much uncertainty. I see, I'm sitting here looking at the, at my Twitter feed. Cause I, I look for questions on there too. Cause the show streams on Twitter and, um, Peter Schrager and Peter King are talking back and forth about some of the, you know, some last minute nuggets and like it could be a really heavy run on defensive ends in the top 10, which could push a lot of guys out of the top 10. And then you're sitting there like, okay, Kyle Hamilton's there at 11. We love Kyle Hamilton. Like that's the top guy on our board. Let's go all in. Let's go get the guy because we think we could do a ton of different things for him. And you talk about handling, you know, that, intermediate passing game that has given the bills a lot of trouble. Maybe that's a weapon that you can use, even if it's not at safety to start with, if Jordan Poyer and, and Michael Hyde are still going to be back there, maybe you get him on the field as a third linebacker, or maybe even, you know, as some type of hybrid linebacker, nickel cornerback to share time with Taron Johnson, limitless potential. And I think the bills have to get creative with how they operate against those kinds of schemes and those kinds of talent pools. And the charge is going to be a lot better this year. What kind of playmakers are they going to add to their offense? There's, there's one mock draft. I saw that Jamison Williams went to the Chargers at 17. What if they get him? I mean, all these kinds of different things you got to think about. Yeah. Listen, you know, Matt, you, you've beaten up on me over the years for my love for Notre Dame, but I, I will tell you right now with Kyle Hamilton, uh, before he suffered that injury this season, I saw some games where he just covered such a, a stretch of, field to intercept a ball to break up a pass uh he is someone that is a game changer at that safety position and the bills would love him in terms of maybe being some kind of movable chess piece uh if, if you're gonna you know roll out with like you said use him as a linebacker whatever the case may be character wise he he fits the mold of everything the bills love uh locker room locker room leader potentially down the road obviously as a rookie uh that's not common to come in and do that but just someone that fits the mold of uh, what the bills look for in a player. So yeah, if there is a run on edge rusher, something the bills really shouldn't be looking at in round one, that's good news for Buffalo uh, considering they've invested a lot in that position in the draft of the last few years. And then they went out and they, they paid quite a bit of money to bring in Von Miller. You brought this one up before we started. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about it more likely trade up or trade down for Brandon Bean and which camp are you more in favor of given the potential options for doing both? 
Yeah. Uh, again, it depends on the prospect that falls out of the top 10 in that scenario. I think a uh, trade down is still more realistic. Uh, when, when you're at 25 and let's just say they have 18 first round grades, it's very possible that one or two guys falls to them at 25. But when you're picking in the mid to late twenties last year when they were at 30, it's not a guarantee that anyone's going to be there. So I, I think that a trade down for that scenario alone is more likely, but if you get the right player, the right cornerback, the right safety, their top a top three or four prospect on their board that falls out of the top ten, then a, a trade up is still a possibility. Um, we've talked about this, Matt. They they lost two draft picks last year because they were poached off their practice squad. Now these were day three, late day three guys. It's not like they lost uh, a fourth round pick or a third round pick or anything like that. But this is a roster that doesn't have a lot of holes. It already has a lot of depth. Uh, so can can all of these picks make the roster at the end of the day? Maybe if you bring in a punter, if you bring in a tight end to compete against Tommy Sweeney, for instance, and, and you're, you know, you're smart about how you draft it. But I could see the Bills moving up and down this board throughout the three days of the draft. But round one specifically, I still think a trade down is more likely than a trade up. What about you? So I agree that I think a trade down is more likely at this point for me still, but I think I've shifted gears into thinking a trade up is the better play if they can get Hamilton or Stingley. And I think I'll even throw Jamison Williams into this pot. I don't know what it is. The more I've watched some of these players, the more I, I I've kind of, gotten more interested in the idea of trading up. I think what Jamison Williams potentially brings to this offense, that unbelievable speed versatility to kind of line them up in different uh, parts of this offense and different sets. It's just a, a flavor of receiver that I don't think they have on the roster right now. I mean, they have speed at the position. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have that long speed that can just absolutely devastate you down the field. And who knows, maybe with the right kind of development, he can turn into some type of scary creature like Tyreek Hill has been in this league. And it, it, you hate those kind of comparisons and everybody's saying like chiefs are trading up to take Jamison Williams to make him the next version of Tyreek Hill. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to become his own version of a dynamic player. And I think if you can get that, if you can project that and you believe that you can develop that talent, it's worth considering a trade-up in a year like this because of all the, the different moving parts. But at the end of the day, I think we have to be realistic. And, and listen, I do think that there's a very good chance that the Bills trade their pick, whether it's up or down. But let's just stay at 25 to end this show. Our final answer, if you will. Whew. Who are the Bills drafting at 25 if they stay there? And why? And is it the pick that you think? Or is it the pick that you think and love? Or is it the pick that you just love and fit for the Bills? You got you to gotta take me really inside the psyche and then I'll, and I'll give mine to end the show. Oh man! Well, real quick, I did. I did want to address one more question in here. I just okay. don't know uh, who anyone is going to trade to twenty-five to get. Who is looking to be in that bottom third of this draft? Quarterback. If there is a what if team, no quarterbacks go before twenty-five right, or or just one? There's two other guys being talked about as first-round picks. Uh, quarterback is the one position that if you don't take a guy in the top ten, you're going to want to move up from the start of the second round and get to you know the the twenties or the thirties to get that so you get that fifth-year option. Uh, even, you know, again, this is not a strong class. I'm not saying that Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett uh, are going to end up being franchise QBs. But if you're going to roll the dice on one of them, it's much better to do it in the 20s than it is in the mid to late 30s uh, where you don't get that fifth year option. So that's ideally who would be uh, moving into that spot, in, in my opinion. All right. So 25, who are the Bills going to take? I honestly, I'm torn on because I did do Daxton. Hill right, give in my some last more thought. Give some more thought. Cause I, right. I got mine with a bullet. You go ahead. Um, I think the bills are going, if they set at 25, they're going to select uh, Kyler Gordon cornerback out of Washington. We, we picked him on our mock draft the other night. I'm sticking with it. All I've done since then is do more research on him and, you know, ask around and listen, the, the buzz on him is real. I, I think this guy is, you know, one of the things that held me back early on in the process, I thought he projected more as an as a slot receiver, uh, cornerback. 
but teams view him as a boundary option and his kinds of explosion, the the system that he comes from. I think this is, I love the fit for Gordon and Buffalo. I love the value at that spot. I think there's a really good chance he's not there, which makes this even more of a, I love this for the bills. And I think that the bills like the player. And so I think all of that is converging for Kyler Gordon at 25. That's the pick. I'm sticking with it for my, for myself. What about you? And I like that. He's one of the guys that I was torn on. I'll, I'll stay at the position. I'll go Kyer Elam. Um, he was someone that I did get, you know, some fans saying, hey, listen, at 25, if they're going to go with someone that can play on the boundary while Trey White's out, uh, you're kind of rolling the dice on Daxton Hill to, to be that guy because he's played a lot in the slot at corner and, and he has the skill set to play outside. But can you bring him along that quickly? Elam is a true boundary cornerback he's someone that they had the top 30 visit with i do put some stock into that uh when you look at the two drafts that brandon bean has had uh you know pre pre pre-covid uh josh allen was the top 30 visitor tremaine edmonds was a top 30 visitor both first round picks ed oliver was a top 30 visitor so those top 30 guys he has a track record of drafting in round one when it's happened now mind you those are a lot higher than pick 25 uh, he, he took uh, Allen, obviously, at seven. He took uh, Ed Oliver in the top 10. He took Edmonds in the teens. So it's not a guarantee that any of these top 30 guys will be there. Booth was a top 30 guy, but Kyir Elam was top 30 visitor. Um, fits the mold of, of what they need. I like his skill set, so I'll go Kyir Elam. Kyir Elam is one of the hottest names in the, the draft sphere, if you will. The last couple of days, his his stocks to, seems to be at an all time high, and so we'll see how this thing plays out. Two forty across all the platforms right now. You guys are awesome on a Wednesday night. I feel like we get to this point, and there's a little draft fatigue that happens right at the end, right before we get to the final day. But we appreciate you guys spending your time with us, all the support that you give us. Go back to the beginning of the episode if you got here late. We have a newsletter that's launching tomorrow. It is awesome. It is going to be a one-stop shop delivered to your inbox every Thursday with all of our content from Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com, the podcast, have all the links that you need. It's really easy to sign up. I went through it at the top of the uh, the show, Syracuse.com slash newsletters, select shout, put in your email, sign up, boom, you're done. We'll deliver it all through you. And you're going to want that that uh that uh, newsletter this week. You'll get the, the the draft prep one tomorrow, and we're doing a special Monday edition with all of our draft coverage thrown into a newsletter. You'll get it all in your inbox on Monday. So you'll, you won't have to do anything at work on Monday. You could just read everything that we wrote over the weekend. You can literally watch all of our shows from the weekend. We're going to be live every day after every round, uh, not every, every round, every day of the draft. So we'll have a show Thursday night, Friday night, and then either Saturday night or maybe sometime Sunday. We got to talk through that. I might want to think about like the whole scope of it and then do maybe a a, a middle of the afternoon, late, late evening uh, Sunday show. Uh, but they're going to be a little bit later because how how we cover the draft is we, we have a bunch of stuff that we have to write as the picks are happening. But then we get Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott usually down at One Bills Drive. And I like to have, you know, that... Um, context and and information from inside the draft room before we talk about it on the podcast, because listen, we can, we can live react to the, to the show or to the picks ourselves. We've been telling you what we think about all these players for weeks. I want to tell you what actually led to the picks. And that's what we'll learn from Brandon Bean and company. And maybe we'll even talk to the prospects that night. I want to bring you guys all of that stuff. So stay tuned for all those shows. Keep it locked to all the channels because we'll have the, the exact times when we're going to go live. I'm excited, Ryan Talbot. Oh, me too. Brew the coffee, stock up on the Red Bulls or whatever your your uh, energy drink of choice is because we go late. We go well, actually early into the morning, I should say. It's usually uh, with these later picks for the Bills, it's usually maybe, you know, 1230, 1 a.m. So be prepared. We'll be with you bright eyed and bushy tailed. We can't wait to talk draft. I did see one last thing in here. What are we doing for draft night? Uh, Talbot family tradition. We order pizza and wings. It's it's a. Uh, you know, it's something to make the kids look forward to the draft a little bit, trying to get them excited about it when, when they're at that young age like I was. So that's what's happening tomorrow night here. Uh, cannot wait, Matt. That's awesome. I will d- be down at the stadium. Uh, we will get uh, full coverage from there. Don't miss those Twitter spaces. They are fire. If you have not been in them yet, I know a lot of you are watching on different platforms or maybe you're listening on audio only. You're like, oh, I don't want to go on Twitter. I don't like Twitter. I don't like social media. I get it. but. 
that's where you can connect with us the the best. And uh, it's the most interactive thing that we do. So Twitter spaces tomorrow around 1230-ish, one o'clock. And then we'll come back with another one, Ryan and I, during the draft. Ryan, I was just thinking about this. If we're doing that, we might have to end right on the moment if the Bills make a trade. Because right. we're like, okay, the Bills trade for this. We'll live <laughs> react to it and then say, gotta go. Yeah, absolutely. Anything can happen there. Um, so looking forward to the Twitter spaces, though, to interact with the Bills fans as we hear these first few picks or whenever we go live for the Bills are, are up, obviously, before 25. So looking forward to that as well, Matt. All right, everybody. Have a great night. We will see you tomorrow. It is here, the NFL Draft 2022. Who are the Bills going to take? We'll find out. Have a great week, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.